You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the uh, AP Draft Talk podcast. Um, my name is Rocky Magana. I am your guest host for today, my esteemed colleague, Ron Cop Jr. is out, and so I am stepping into his massive shoes to just try to, you know, do the best I can. Just try to come in off the bench and get a pinch hit single just to keep the line moving. You know what I mean? And to join me today, I pulled in, you know, some reinforcements. Um, one of our best dudes we got over here at AP, uh, my, my very, very good friend Christian Gumminger to be the guest, the guest co-host to the guest host, you know, uh, Christian, they, how did they let us take over a podcast today? Man, I have no idea. <laughs> like, they just, like, you know what? Let's throw out some guys. It's Friday. Let's have some fun. Let's send the people home with a, a little bit of joke here or there. So let's just have Honest, fun doing this. <laughs> honestly, I think all of our other guys had already headed to the bars for the weekend. And they <laughs> were like, they're like, who's, who's going to be available? The two dads with young children who have no outside social life, who are forced to be home because they put children down at 7 p.m. every single day of their lives. Yeah, you got Ron and Brian and Talon who've worked their tails off on the Combine and East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl and everything else. They're like, you know what? Let's give them the night off. Let's let them party and have fun, and let's bring the dads in. Yeah, bring the dads in. Yeah, I'm Just for today, this is the AP Draft Talk podcast, but for today, we're going to nickname it the AP Dad Bod Pod, you know, because that's uh, that's the dynamic duo you have with you today, the AP Dad Bod Pod duo. Um, Christian, I have a question for you really quick before we dive into yeah. actual football stuff. If I was to ask you how many of the words of Eminem's Lose Yourself of the first verse that you know off the top of your head, what would they be? Because I kind of feel like this is our lose yourself moment, right? Like, right. like, like we're slim shady. One chance. <laughs> this is our one shot. We're stepping up to the mic. And if I was to ask you, if you how many, many words of the first verse do you know? Man, it, oh man, I don't know. Probably the first 12, but if you ask me to do it, I'm going to fail. So don't. So you go, you know, <laughs> knees weak, arms are heavy, vomit on a sweater already, and then what everybody knows, mom's spaghetti. Yeah. I mean, during the Super Bowl halftime show, I was definitely singing along. I, I, I was right there with them the entire time, but doing it today, I, I couldn't do it. I was, uh, I was in the middle of a Super Bowl party during the halftime show, and this is how Eminem's part of the halftime show went with everybody in the room. The, 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 the mom spaghetti. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> mom spaghetti. Everybody knew mom spaghetti. Nobody knew anything else. And so, all, right, all right, all right. Let's actually we got talk big about news some today. football. We got big, we got big, big news all week. Big news. Yes, we do. Okay, so let's talk about some of this big news. So let's just jump right on in. It's been a wild, wild week of uh, trades in the 
AFC West. It's it's almost like an arms race is uh, heating up in the AFC West. Um, you They're know, tired of giving it to the Chiefs every year. They are. People are tired of watching the Chiefs just run rough shot through their towns and just take whatever they want. And they're trying to stand up to us and say, you can't have it anymore. Is it going to work, Christian? No. I Honestly, no. So the, the big news for the week, obviously, Russell Wilson traded for a, a package from the, C, the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Um, check out the emergency pod yesterday. Was it yesterday? It's all running together at this so. point. With uh, Pete and Serta and uh, John. Um and checking, you know, for real good commentary on that, listen to them talk about it. Um, and then today you have Khalil Mack heading back to the AFC West for peanuts. Um, not exactly sure what the Bears are doing, trading Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers for a second this year and a sixth pick next year. Um, I was talking with somebody on Twitter, like, they're like, well, it's a complete blow up, but I'm like, you're trading Khalil Mack for what is essentially Juan Thornhill and Nick Allegretti. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would definitely do it. I would throw in, I'd throw in something else. I'd throw a Mike Dana in there too, and a Turk Wharton on <laughs> right. top. You know, just to sweeten the deal a little bit. But that's essentially what happened today: is Khalil Mack makes his return, and he'll be playing second fiddle at this point to Joey Bosa. Um, so, you know, the Chargers loading up on their defensive line. Uh, the Broncos trying to find competency at the quarterback position. And the Raiders are still the Raiders. <laughs> so so let me ask you this. Uh, with the Cleo one of these things doesn't belong. Yeah, one of these things doesn't belong. And it's, and it's always the Raiders. Even if the Raiders were competitive, the answer would still be the Raiders. Be Why? The Raiders. Because they're still the Raiders. They'll yeah. always be the Raiders. No matter how talented they are, Raiders are going to Raider every single season. Um, but ta- going back to the Khalil Mack trade really quick, do you think the Khalil Mack trade, I am sure it was already in the works prior to today, but do you yeah. think that the urgency of getting it done was stepped up on the Chargers end now that Russell Wilson is in the division as well mm-hmm. and there's going to be a premium on getting to the quarterback because – all because three out of the four teams in the division have elite quarterbacks now. I would I would say yeah. I mean, the AFC itself is a gauntlet, but the AFC West is insanely tough. Um, I I think that it was in the works. I do think. I mean, it's hard to tell if there was any urgency because again, they didn't really give anything away. They didn't add anything to the deal that makes me think that they panicked at all. Um, so. I definitely think there's an arms race, though. I think what's interesting is the reaction so far from everybody saying, why haven't the Chiefs done anything yet? Um, So let me ask you, what would you want the Chiefs to do between now and Monday that would make you feel like they're still – they're at least watching. They're paying attention. Trade for Khalil Mack. (laughs) That's what I would have wanted them to do. And what's Um, interesting is the general manager who pulled the trigger – Ryan Poles comes from Kansas City. Yeah, so, you, you got to imagine like like just why would he call I, up his old friend? Happened. Yeah, like it's it's interesting that I mean you would like to, you would think that he at least gave Brett Veach a call at some point, and there was a discussion about the compensation made, and either Veach thinks that um, Max' best days are behind him, or he 
or the salary is prohibitive at this point. Um, it's weird. I think it's only like six. I think it's only like six million this year. That's I mean, that's only that's all that the Bears are saving this year. There's still wow. three years left on the deal. But is this just a situation for the Bears where Poles just wants his guys? He wants to clear out, clear out the old regime. I don't. I don't know because they're they're taking on over twenty million dollars in dead cap. Yeah, yeah. Parts, which is again the weirdest part of this trade. I, I don't fully understand why the Bears do this unless they're just blowing it all up. Yeah, which appears looks like they're just going for draft capital at that point. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit over to uh, to Russell Wilson, um, there is a little bit of I don't want to say the word fear, you know, when I think about playing the Broncos next year because this instantly makes the Broncos a contender um, in my mind. Um, do you I disagree or do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it makes it with with their defense and the and the tar- and the weapons that they have to target with Jerry Judy, um, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. You know, I think that they have the the, the receivers there, and then they have the defense as well. So, do you disagree? I do a little bit, and here's why. I think I think we're a little bit ahead of our of our skis right now. To me, this feels a lot more Cleveland Browns last year, where mm-hmm. we're jumping on the bandwagon saying the Cleveland Browns are the third best team in the AFC. They scheduled the Cleveland Browns to open up against the Chiefs because they thought the Cleveland Browns was going to be that good of a team. They didn't finish the year they made the playoffs and had their first playoff win in forever. They still finished third in their division. Last year, they finished, I believe, third in their division again, or maybe fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's behind a defense that has all kinds of blue chip players behind it with Miles Garrett. Um, They had a really great draft. I can't exactly remember the corner they picked up um, in the draft, but I I know it was was highly regarded. I think, I mean, the Broncos haven't made the playoffs yet. They haven't made the playoffs since the 2015 season when they won a Super Bowl 50. I don't. I think it's a little quick to say that they are Super Bowl contenders. I think that they are playoff contenders. I think they're in. You know, they they can definitely win the division. So so, but I don't the, think they're Super Bowl contenders. So the question is, with the division being as strong as it is now, uh, with the Chargers being strong and the Chiefs being strong, and now the Broncos be adding Russell Wilson and and being contenders for the division in the AFC. It seems like this is the strongest division, and the and the, the, the winner. It is, and so you would think that the team that comes out of this division would be a Super Bowl contender. If you come out of it through the gauntlet as the AFC of the AFC West as the AFC West champion, it's really the AFC West and the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals um, at this point in the AFC, um, in yeah, my I'll opinion, right? You know, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll go. I'll take. I'll take a little bit of what I back. What, what I said back. Yeah, so I would I would say uh because because I think the Bengals are due for a regression next yes. year, um, big time. They got really and lucky. They did, and then so you got the Bills, and then the AFC West. I think is what you're really looking at coming out of the AFC next year. And I'm not going to entertain the Titans as being actual contenders until they win a playoff game. I I still fear the Ravens a little bit. I think they have a great coaching staff. Um, I think Lamar Jackson still dynamic. Uh, he'll be playing on a contract year. So I think you're going to get the very best of him. And that front office knows how to draft. Uh, and they so, know how to pick up players. 
So this is another tangent, and Pete's going to hate us for this. I apologize, <laughs> Pete. But do you think it's a mistake that Lamar Jackson is his own agent? He's going full Tom Condon when he yeah, plays. Is. I was surprised at how much news has come out about players representing themselves. I know our Lord Orlando Brown Jr. is. Um, Bobby Wagner negotiated his contract. I guess that came out this week as well. I'm just a little surprised at how many players um, have negotiated their own contract. So um, yeah. I don't know if it's smart or not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but I would assume having more, I know that it's more mouths to feed when you're divvying up your contract and all that, but the same as it's those they're paid for a reason. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're checking, they're making sure you're getting the best for you. Yeah, they're paid for a reason, and there's a whole lot of fine print in NFL contracts that if I was a player, I would not want to read. I would much rather have somebody that I give, you know, a few points of the off the top to, you know, to to take care of all that for me. Yeah, I don't know, but the the rumor out of uh, out of Baltimore right now is that Lamar is not concerned right now about an extension. He he feels like things will play out when they play out, and that the Ravens are going to take care of him. And I guess. They haven't given him any reason to think that they're not committed to him. So yeah. um, I guess things will play out as they play out. Um, and he's betting on himself right now. I have a sneaking suspicion, and this is just – I have nothing to back this up whatsoever. I have no inside knowledge. <laughs> I I think Tyron Matthew is a, I think Tyron Matthew is a Raven next year. I think he's the betting favorite to be a Raven next year. I yeah, I do. Sports, and some of the sporting books. I saw um, that, and and then I saw him reply to Lamar Jackson's tweet today about a guy getting between a semi truck and his car to keep it from getting hit by a semi truck, and it was like a funny video, which doesn't sound funny when you hear about a guy getting hit by a semi truck to protect his car. It's 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 better than it sounds. So All right, yeah, hear me there. Uh, but, I was probably hanging out with my daughter at that time and missed the <laughs> missed that joke. Okay, well, let me let's, let's go back to Chiefs. Let's go back to Chiefs. With everything going on with uh, the Broncos and the Chargers, and even the Raiders have a new coach. They have a new system. Um, so they have a whole new approach this year as well. With all of that stuff going on, how does that change the – should it change how the Chiefs address free agency and the draft? Yeah. Yeah, 100% should. Um, I think with – I think the Chiefs should do the exact same thing that um, the Chargers did, and they got to get either a premium edge rusher in the draft or in free agency. And I think that they need to bolster the secondary um, a bit. That being said, you know, the there's two different ways to look at it, right? You either, you either go hard on the defense and say, we're going to stop Russell Wilson and we're going to get to Russell Wilson and we're going to get to Justin Herbert and – Derek Carr is going to be Derek Carr, so we're not, we're not concerned about that, and we're going to we're going to go go go. Or you say, okay, we play to our strengths. We still have the best quarterback in this division, yep. so let's load up on our own arsenal. This is an arms race now, so let's load up on our golden boy and give him all the targets in the world. And you go after a wide receiver in free agency. You go after a wide receiver at the top of the draft and you give him multiple targets, and then you just go out there and you do greatest show on turf 2.0 and just try to light up the world and then hope you get enough stops, which has been the Chiefs' philosophy a few different times throughout the history of the organization. 
with mixed results, sometimes extremely successful, other times the games extreme. are always exciting. No matter what always exciting. exciting. So yeah. So um, that's where I'm at. What do you think? I, I think it changes their draft strategy. I think it changes the free agency plan, but not as drastic as you would think. Um, this is a team that has 23 open spots on their roster compared to what they finished the year with last year. Um, they have a lot of holes. They're going to – this defense is going to look completely different this year than it looked last year just because the they don't have the ability to bring all of those players back. And they honestly, they need to upgrade in certain areas. To me, what changes about it is I think it, I think there's going to be little tweaks to maybe they instead of picking a safe player, they may pick something that's more of a wild card because they need to be more innovative. I think that this is going to push. I mean, you you hear Travis Kelsey uh, Super Bowl week talk about how Patrick Mahomes doesn't need any more motivation. He's the most motivated guy he's ever met in the world. You see this arms race going on within his division that he's owned. It it's going to motivate him, I believe, and I think it's going to unlock something in him, um, and which has got to be terrifying for the entire NFL. Every year he's come back and learned something kind of different, kind of new, and I think that this is going to put an emphasis on some kind of creativity, innovation stuff we haven't seen in the last few years. I know with the kind of the same coaching staff. Uh, especially in the offensive side of the room or side of the building, it's going to, it's kind of maybe hard to imagine, but I think it's going to push them a little bit to have to be innovative because they have a lot of holes. They have, they're going to have to take gambles and some risks to keep up with what's going on in the rest of the AFC West and the AFC for that matter. But I think this is when, when you're backed into a corner, this is when you jump, man. This is when you make those leaps. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where the Chiefs have been accused over the last couple seasons of sleepwalking through the regular season at times. Yes. You know, that their skill level was so much higher than the other teams in their division and some of the other teams in the AFC that they just kind of rolled the ball out there and their helmets out there and thought that they could just go through the motions and they would come out on top. Um, and they could. They could. They, they could, could. But now, but now – if you smack a sleeping giant in the face and you wake it up, you know, you got, you got an angry giant coming at you. And that could kind of be the situation with Patrick Mahomes. You know, uh-huh. I think you're definitely correct in that. Um, the the thing that worries me about it is will Patrick Mahomes try to do too much, you think, or you think that he's going to be able to keep it in balance? I, again, I think this is why it's the entire offense that has to be innovative. I don't think it's just Mahomes saying playing hero ball. This isn't the NBA. Um, I think this is going to be more – I don't want to say structure. I think it's going to be more creativity. How do we get the the ball into the playmaker's hands and allow them to make those plays? I think what you'll see in the draft, instead of picking a player who is maybe a little bit more polished, you know, a senior who's smart, you know, has the right size and athletic traits. They go for someone who's maybe a little bit quicker, who maybe is a little raw, more, sorry, who is a little bit more raw so that there is that upside there, that that speed, that playmaking ability, so they can get that ball to them in space and let them work. Um, you look at like McCole Hardman, who is coming back, is going into a contract year himself this year. 
you know, when he had the ball in his hands, he was able to do really nice things with it. They just had to manufacture those. You know, you may get more of that with some of these players, and we're not necessarily just within the structure of the offense. You might have some more design plays, but that creativity and innovation might help keep Mahomes on time as well, and less of that kind of freelancing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that they are going to swing on higher upside players and and less. I mean, I don't want to say that the sure thing is sitting there. They're not going to, you know, go out and get it. You know, if Jameson Williams falls to them at 30, I think they sprint to the podium to turn in that card, right? But let's be honest, Jameson Williams probably isn't going to be there at 30. And so when it comes down to it, do they go for the guy who who has a little bit more athletic upside, not necessarily in the first rounds by any means, but like a Taekwon Thornton kind of guy who's big and long and explosive and can take the top off of a defense every single play or take it to the house. And so I think that they're definitely going to be taking big cuts when it comes in the draft and trying to hit home runs, um, almost because with the way the AFC West is right now, um, it, they kind of need to, I think. I, I mean – they're they're not it's not like they're like the third best team in the AFC West. I still think they're the best team in the division, even with yeah. Russell Wilson going to Denver and even with Khalil Mack going to the Chargers. And I think they're set up to be the best team in the AFC West for years to come because I think that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Justin Herbert and Andy Reid is a better head coach than Brandon Staley. And Russell Wilson is really good, but he's 33 years old, and in four years, he's going to be a five foot ten, 37 year old quarterback who's trying to push the ball downfield. Playing in altitude, playing in cold, yeah. playing in the cold, playing in playing altitude. Cold. So, so I think you see, I think you see it in last year's draft though. In the fifth round, they selected Cornell Powell, who was kind of a safe player, kind of developed. You know, didn't have a whole lot of time at Clemson, was really good there. But he didn't make the 53, even though it was kind of a safe pick. We were like, oh, well, if nothing else, he'll contribute on special teams. And so that's kind of the safe pick I want them to stay away from in this coming draft. Flip side, look at the, just the exact opposite. Trey Smith, who was around later, took the big swing, took the big cut, went for it. And now you have an uh, all-rookie Trey Smith, who is now going to be a cornerstone on that line for the next years to come. So I – to me, I think the best version of this team is taking those swings. I mean, you took a swing with Joshua Kando. You're betting mm-hmm. on traits. You're betting on the profile and everything else. He got injured, but he had some really nice dime reps where he was rushing the passer before his injury. And I want to see what he does this offseason. So I'm, you, I want to see more of those swings, even if they don't pan out, especially in the later rounds. All right, so talking about swings then – um, you're sitting in Brett Veach's chair. You you went to the NFL Combine. We're about a week removed from it. You walk away from that Combine. Who's some players that you saw that weren't on your radar that that really caught your attention? That that you that you were like, wow, these are some of those high upside guys that that I would that I think the Chiefs should take a swing on. Again, you're you're looking at guys running in shorts. You're looking at athletic profile. You're not watching them against another one-on-one or even kind of, you know, playing the role. To me, players that sit out, and we'll kind of talk about them here later in this in the show, but a, a Tyson Anderson, Toledo, right? Yeah, yeah Toledo, Toledo, right? Toledo? Yeah, yeah. Toledo. 
a, a big safety, you know, um, his relative athletic score is 9.64. Uh, you know, he ran a 4.3640. I mean, you have to go back and look and see what he did there. So uh, he was someone that kind of jumped out to me. Um, what about you? Who jumped out to you the most? You know, there's a few guys who jumped out to me. Tyson Anderson definitely looked good at the combine. I liked his 35 and a half inch vertical on a 6'2 frame as well. That's that's going to win a lot of 50-50 balls. He had offensive um, tackle arms. Yeah. His arms were yeah. 33 inches. Yeah, he was nuts, man. Yeah, he can um, jump. Yeah, he can, <laughs> he he can, can run. jump. Yes. I, I 100% agree. You know a guy who stood out to me a little bit? Um, who looked really good was Alec Pierce and Ty, and I also previously mentioned Taekwon Thornton. I think both of them ran really well at the combine. Yeah, I think that he's that big body guy who can go up and get the ball, but he also has the speed to stretch the field as well. Um, the guy who surprised me a little bit, who we'll talk about later on, is Drake Jackson. I thought he looked more athletic than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, he came he came out and ran. You know, he didn't run the forty yard dash, but he he looked fast in all of his um, drills. He looked like he was athletic and fast and he had a 36 and a half inch vertical um, when he did it, which at six, three, two fifty, that's, that's not too bad. Um, and he has 10 inch hands. And I, I don't know. I think that I like guys with big hands on my team, you know, big, big mitts to catch the ball and to get the guy and to bring push the guy down. Yeah. Yeah. To push him around. I feel like just big hands. I don't, if I measured my hands, honestly, I'm probably pushing, Oh, eight inches max, right? My hands are not that big. I gotta figure uh, out how to do it. I know that was all over NFL Network on how you do it. It gets a piece of paper, but yeah, it doesn't make it sense. <laughs> it looks kind of like one of those uh, turkeys you'd make in kindergarten. You know, when you trace your hand and then put the little gobbler on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 kind of what it looks like prior to measuring it. I don't know. This is definitely they, dad bod talk right here. This is dad bod talk. Welcome to the dad bod pod. You know, with uh, Rocky <laughs> and Christian, everybody. All right, moving on before uh, before Pete kills us, like as I mentioned. Uh, so, positional needs right now. What's your what's your ranking? You got that the Chiefs should go with. Well, I don't think Tyron Matthew or Trevorius Ward come back. There were reports out over the combine that both are going to test free agency. Um, I, I think it's going to be really difficult to play in the Trevorius Ward market for what he is. I think he's going to kind of think he did enough over his three years in Kansas city that we're just not going to be able to afford him. Tyron Matthew is weird. I thought he was going to be one of the top three safeties paid. And then the report came out that he's likely to break double digits uh, in the millions. And that was just, it's a really weird report and how it was said. Um, maybe we're, I'm looking into it. Maybe kind of, we're all looking a little too much into it. Um, but I think both of them are gone. And so with that, you have both Juan Thornhill and Rashad Fenton on contract years and Ladarius Neen. Those are the three players that you have. So for me, DBs are a necessity. You, you, you have to have them. You, you have to roster them. They played nearly 100% of the snaps unless there's an injury or some crazy sub package that Spags puts in. So to me, you need a corner. You need a safety. Um, that said, you need an impact edge. You've got Josh Allen. You've got Joe Burrow. You've got 
uh, Herbert, you've got Russell Wilson, even Derek Carr. The way you beat Derek Carr is you get to him. So you need an impact edge as well. And then I also think you need a receiver. You need to continue to put weapons around Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'm not sure if you know this. The way you win a football game is you score more points. And so as long as we're scoring more points, <laughs> as long as we're scoring more points, we're going to win. So I think you have to get an impact receiver. I've even done a couple of mock drafts where we take two receivers in the top 100 just to see different variations of how can I get more weapons um, for Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, Andy Reid, all of them to scheme up for Mahomes to make it easier on him. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you on on the on the wide receiver and the defensive back as well. It's interesting with defensive back. I think a lot of fans want us to go edge, and I think we do need to go edge early. But there's more defensive backs on the field at any point in time, uh, really, than any other position group. Um, and and it, it's a passing league, and so and we are so so deficient, not talent deficient, because the guys we have are solid. But we just need numbers. We don't have bodies, you know. And yeah. so, if you just look I at was, the snap counts, I mean, your DBs play 80, 90, almost 100% of the snaps. Yeah. Even the best defensive linemen play 60%. There is a rotation there to keep those bodies fresh. You need and, solid DBs because they're going to be out there for every single play. Okay. So the Chiefs have 10 picks in the draft. Would you double dip at wide receiver and double dip at cornerback? And then take a safety as well. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, I would probably double dip along the defensive line too. Yeah, so we're so so we're saying seven of the Chiefs' picks are D line, defensive back, and wide receiver. I that's I mean, obviously you have to look at value. If people are dropping, but yeah, I think that I think you can find running backs. Oh, I, don't, I don't think you can lose. I don't think you can pay a premium again on a running back when you have this many holes on the roster. I um, agree with that. There's some running backs I really like in this draft, but the more I think about it, it's also a deep running back draft, and there's going to be guys later in the draft who don't get drafted at all who are really good athletes. Yeah, I mean Derek Gore made an impact last year. Yeah, I mean, he was. People were clamoring for him. Daryl Williams, undrafted guy, made a huge impact last year. Um. I think those guys are there. Um, I, you know, you're more likely to find a Daryl Williams as an undrafted free agent than a Charvarius Ward who can come in and be your cornerback two slash cornerback, you know, one B um, that he's been over the last three years as an undrafted guy. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I can't agree with you more. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and take a pause real quick. Um, this is the AP Draft Talk Pod. With Rocky and Christian. We'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the AP Draft Talk. I am your guest host, Rocky Magana, um, joined by my esteemed co-guest host, Christian Gumminger. Uh, we are filling in today for the normal fellas while they are, you know, out doing very important things with their lives. And we are home, you know, enjoying ourselves, you know, with our with our families because that is the life we lead, and we are very happy about it because we are the AP dad bods and we are here to stay. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> if we do an okay enough job on this podcast. Okay. So Christian, let's draft. We're going to talk a little bit now about, um, about draft pockets and where we would take um, certain guys. And we're going to go through a few different position, um, position groups. We're going to go edge wide receiver, cornerback and safety. Since we kind of identified those a little bit earlier as our most important positions of need um before we dive into that though um there's let's let's talk a little bit about um edge and spagnolo has a type right that he traditionally goes after um and if the person doesn't fit that type he kind of gets uh, mike danda aside he kind of he kind of just kind of passes on him it seems like don't you think yeah you have to you have to hit a lot of them you don't have to hit all of them but you gotta hit a lot of them and that's, yeah. that's their height. They got to be 6'3 or taller, usually between 260 to 280 pounds, long arms, 33 or longer, 33 inches or longer. And he likes strong guys, 22 reps on the bench. Um, sometimes the explosive and the agilities and stuff, you know, you kind of, nothing really stands out on those, but they want strong, long, dense bodies um, to play on the edge. I tell you what, Christian, don't we all? Don't we all just want strong, long, dense yeah. bodies? Yeah, ah, man. Baby, man. I wish I was yeah. six not, feet taller. Not <laughs> even when I was in high school, senior wrestler, working out seven days a week and starving myself, was I a long, <laughs> strong, dense body. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't know how to come back from that. All right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on from that. Uh, yeah, so there's a type that he wants. Uh, we're gonna go through a couple of guys here in the edge in the edge group and kind of talk about uh, where we would draft them and then we'll deep dive on a couple of guys. Um, the first guy, you know, we kind of talk about a little bit is uh, is George Carl Loftus. Um, he's a guy that originally was kind of uh, mocked to go higher in the draft as high as you know the top, top the top 10 at one point. And now he's, I've seen in some mocks, he's fallen to the second round. Um, I think if he falls to 30, you got to grab him there, though, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, he fits that profile, right? He's kind of a Kerrigan, Ryan Kerrigan yeah. body. I mean, he's got moves. He's got around the edge. He's a little stiff. Um, him not working out definitely didn't help. Um, this is the edge rusher from Purdue. He's 6'4", 266, um, has, does have elite athleticism. 
he is kind of that power rusher though. Uh, he is a definitely a bulldozer, um, but does have shorter arms. He doesn't hit the 33 inch arms. Uh, they're just under a 32 and five eighths. Um, bench press. He was at 21 reps. So he doesn't really fit all of the spags type, but you kind of are betting on the talent there for him to let him create havoc along multiple spots of the line. Cause he can kind of play inside outside a little bit. Which yeah. He can love to do on third down a hundred percent. And yeah, he has that power that he can shift inside um, and line up, you know, over the guard if you need him to um, a guy who kind of similarly fits the same build um, is Cameron Thomas. Um, I think Cameron Thomas might actually be a little bit more explosive of an athlete, um, but he played uh, he played at San Diego State, so the competition was less. So you got to kind of question the production a little bit. Um, where would you think that Cameron Thomas would would go in the draft, though? If, like, where would you take him? I think he's going somewhere in the forty to fifties. That's that's kind of where I've seen them mocked a little bit. Uh, it's just outside round one. If the Chiefs are sold on him, they have to take him at 30. Um, so it's either... no, go ahead. I, I don't know if Veach has ever traded back. So I don't think you're trading back, um, especially out of 30, to pick up this edge. I think that they would just rather take a swing on one of the other premium positions that they need. Yeah, so so it's either one. It's, it's kind of like that. Uh, you're stuck in the middle a little bit. You either reach or you miss. You know, one mm-hmm. of the two. Okay. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson is a guy that I mentioned earlier that I thought uh, performed exceptionally well at the combine. Um, his height is six three. He's two fifty four. He's got long arms, thirty four inch arms, and ten and a half, ten to one eighth inch hands. Got a vertical, like I said, of 36.5 and a broad of 127. Um, he's one of those guys, though, that explodes and bends around the edge, I think, uh, off the snap. Has a great first step. I think his weakness is that he needs to work on his um, pass move repertoire. Like, he's got the outside move a little bit, and then I didn't see a whole lot else. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think he has all of the, all of the moves. I mean, he's got the long arm. Uh, he's got a really, really fun spin move. It's just when that first move gets got, how does he counter? Because there was a lot of times where he, he would get got. The, the the tackle would be able to predict what he was doing, and then the rush just stalled after that. And that's where I think he needs to work on. But this guy's really young. He's still only 21 years old. Um, he was playing for USC as a freshman. Um he bends really well. He has a lot of speed, I think, coming off of the edge as well. And that's something we don't really see out of, you know, the Spags defensive end over the last three years as far as speed coming off the edge. Um, with him being so young as well, he can add a lot of bulk to his frame. He's a little slight right now, but he can add to it. He's got the frame where he can build out, get stronger, um, play with more power, more physical upside. And I think that's why you kind of take a bet on him. I think you could take a swing on him in round one. I think you could too. I think you could take a swing on him in round one. I think that the upside there is enough. Um, like you said, you're betting on a young. lot of tools, though. Yeah, you are. You're you're betting you're betting on your coaching staff yes. unlocking what's there because the physical body 
is there. Like you said, he could he could use to put on a few more pounds, but he's just a kid. He's only 21 years old. Um, he needs to add a little bit more of a punch um, and strength, you know, to his frame. But I tell you what, I saw I saw a highlight of his um, where he he backpedaled and intercepted the ball off the quarterback. He he faked like he was coming around the edge and then and then popped back and backpedaled and intercepted the ball. And it was one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen a defensive a defensive end make, um, you know, pros or in the college. And so the plays that this guy makes, you know, they pop off the film. It's just that are there enough plays? You know, he's got to make them. He's got to make them consistent consistently. And I think that. We talked about the Chiefs taking big swings, but we also they got to find consistent, you know, production as well. Yeah. And so, um, but anyway, so moving along down the line a little bit from from Drake Jackson, there's another guy who I'm really high on that uh, has had a little bit of legal trouble, and you got to do your homework, obviously, in those situations because it's a very serious charges that were brought against him. Yeah. Um, is a Sam Williams out of Ole Miss, another guy who has all the tools and everything. Um, but there was a um, an assault allegation brought against him by a lady. Um, there were no charges ever filed. But if you're the Chiefs and you decide to take that swing on him, you got to do your homework first, right? Yeah, I mean he could go. I think he has a talent to be, you know, early second round pick, based on just how many players are fitting into that top thirty two. I think he has a talent to be there. Um, but he could go as late as the third round. I mean, it really just depends on what the teams find and how comfortable they are with with him on their team. Yeah, that's about the the range I've been seeing them is late third, early fourth kind of um, kind of kind of range for him to be getting picked. Um, the last guy we got in our edge group is a guy that is exciting, um, D'Angelo Malone. He's a smaller guy. He's not big by any means. He's what six three two thirty something. I think. Uh, 6'3", 243 on NFL.com. Um, 33 and one-eighth inch arms, though. Um, he was the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. I think twice. he had nine sacks twice. Uh, this is a guy that does not fit the Spags mold, but this is a guy that makes plays. Um, what, are you, what are your ideas about him? He's he's quick. He's, he's got a, he's, Him running the hoop drill was really fun to watch because he got down a little bit. And he was able to get that big body down. Um, he's again faster. He's big. He's he's able to. He doesn't have the weight on him necessarily, but he has that explosiveness. And again, I think what the Chiefs need to do is get more speed around the edge. Too often, it looked like we were trying to bull rush those big tackles, which are only getting bigger into the quarterback, and we weren't, you know, dipping or doing anything else to get to those quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow should have been sacked 12 more times in the AFC Championship game, and he wasn't because we couldn't get there in time. And it wasn't that he wasn't holding the ball. And so no, I, it wasn't that he wasn't holding the ball. It's that, yeah, our big guys couldn't get to him, and they and once they got a hold of him and he got they got shook off, they didn't have the athleticism to get up off the ground and chase him back down again. Um, and so I'm 100% with you. Watching D'Angelo Malone, uh, watching some of his film, um, he's another guy that just seems to make play after play after play. And he's a guy that can drop back a little bit in coverage, even though defensive ends don't really do that in Spag's system too often. Um, he's a guy you can use that. He goes sideline to sideline and um, 
and chases down the running back to the boundary. He's a great he's great in pursuit as well. Um, this is a guy that I think you can get in that fourth to fifth round range, um, just because he's a little bit undersized. Um, and if he's sitting there in that range, I think that you that you take the swing on him. He had 349 tackles, 60 for loss, and 34 sacks in his time at Western Kentucky. That is production. That is getting after the quarterback and finishing the play from a defensive end position. 100%. And, you know, I love the combine. I love the numbers and everything. But I think the combine serves to reinforce the production, right? If the production is not necessarily there, then you have an athlete, not a football player. But if you have the production and then they have a big combine, then that combine reinforces what you already saw on tape of who the guy is. Um, and okay. I think that you see that a little bit with D'Angelo Malone. Um, all right, moving forward, onward and upward, we are going to the. We are switching over to the offensive side of the ball. We're going wide receiver. Um, my favorite guy, honestly, maybe out of all wide receivers in the draft, if you watch his good his highlights. Um, is George Pickens from Georgia. I think that he's awesome. Um, obviously, coming back from an injury, um, played a little bit in the national championship game, made made one really big play there. Um, but prior to that, looked like he co- looked like he was going to be a top 10 pick uh, when he finally came out in the draft. This is a guy that that looks like that, in your words, that blue chipper, that blue, blue chipper chippa. prospect. That blue chip a prospect. There is no player that I want more than George Pickens at thirty. I mean, okay, there's there's players obviously that are going to get drafted above him that I would be tickled with, but one of them that is realistic, for whatever reason, probably the injury. There is a little bit of you know, there's a mean streak in him too. Uh, if you saw the Georgia Tech game, but he he is he is number thirty for me. I mean, I I would trade up for him. I don't know what I'd give up. I want that guy on my team. So your mind, your mind, um, you got Drake Jackson, Cameron Thomas, George Karloftis, and George Pickens available at 30. You're taking George Pickens. Yes. All right. I can go with that. I'm giving Mahomes Pickens for the next five years, and I'm letting them be amazing together. I, 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 can, I, can, I can go with that. Some, some Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah. Veach loves SEC guys. It seems like in general, mm-hmm. and uh, and if he would have been healthy this year, he definitely would have been probably. I'm going to say the best offensive weapon on that Georgia Bulldog team, yeah. uh, pretty much hands down. And this is a, a a Georgia Bulldog team with multiple draft picks that are going to come out this year um, on the offensive team. side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. All right. Uh, so moving on though, we're going to talk about a guy who shares your name but not the same spelling that you're really high on um, your, your, your boy, Christian Watson. Tell me about him. What do you, why do you love Christian Watson so much aside from his name? Well, I, I love that he's a small school guy and they've found ways to get him the ball. I think he's, I mean, he's a small school guy, but he's a big guy. I think he's like six, three. Um, he's ton of fun to watch. He was a lot of fun to watch in the all-star game. I think it was an East West game. 6'4", 208, 32-inch arms. Uh, he ran the 40-yard dash in 4.3 seconds, uh, 4.36. Vertical was 38.5. Broad jump, thir- 11.4. Just absolutely blew up the combine. Um, 
he's big, but he also bends really well. He can get in and kind of make the separation. I think that he tested himself out of 62, which makes me upset. Um, Because, you know, there were mocks where you're sitting there playing, okay, let's grab an edge, and then we can grab Christian Watson in the second. I don't think that's there anymore. I think he's done too well, which is good for him. But I, I don't think he's going to be there at 62. No, I think he's like, kind of like Cameron Thomas. I think he's a little bit in that 40 to 50 range um, right now. And that those teams that that go that get one of the top premier edge in the first rounds are going to go back and then look for an offensive weapon and somebody's going to select him. Um, he's a guy that for his for his really big size – he, he, like you said, he gets down and has really good hands. He's not just size yeah. and speed. He has excellent hands. Um, if you watch his tape, you'll see multiple plays where he's catching the ball outside of his frame at multiple different angles. Um, he's made multiple one-handed catches in his time over at North Dakota State. Um, his production has been good enough uh, for you to say, you know, you know, this past year for you to say, okay, he projects to be pretty good at the next level. He did. He didn't by any means, you know, lead the lead the the nation in receiving yards. I think he had what like 800 yards receiving his mm. this past season. Um, but you watch the tape and the plays are there. Um, the size is there. The speed is there. I think he's a guy that moves the chains like Juju Smith Schuster would, but then also has the speed to go downfield and beat you. Um, if you're going to give him a an NFL comp, who would you comp him to? Man. That's tough for me. I'm terrible at comps. Um, one thing I did want to say, though, is, you know, he was in that North Dakota State offense. They run the ball a ton, and he was a willing blocker. And you know how much the Chiefs love that. Um, I'm terrible at it, so I'm going to rely on uh, Nate Tice at Bleacher Report, and he comped him to Brian Edwards. Okay. So that's fair. That's what kind of looking at. Um I'm terrible at comps. I'm just the worst person. <laughs> oh, that's great. At least you didn't like just throw a name out there and just say DK Metcalf. Yeah, just, he's a big just say DK. Big guy. <laughs> DK Metcalf. All big guy. All big fast guys are DK Metcalf. Uh, okay. Uh, another big fast guy, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. That's my boy. Uh, him and Christian Watson actually play a lot alike when you watch them. Yeah. Um, I think Christian Watson has what, like two inches? of height on him a yeah. little bit a little um, bit more explosive a little mm-hmm. bit quicker yeah that's why he's ranked a little bit higher so. that's why he's ranked a little bit higher um so uh if you miss out on christian watson alec pierce is a guy who could definitely be there at 62 though i think yes i think i think he's there i think there's an off chance he's there in the third round but um you could be you know flirting with fire so would you take him at 62 i don't think he moves the needle the month I, okay. I think i think he, at that point you select a defender all right i like that you risk it in the third round all right um so let's talk about this so moving down the draft a little bit um another guy who's a big fast wide receiver for if if listeners out there you know it's in a trend of the type of wide receivers that we want the chiefs to draft this year playmakers Um, playmakers big fast playmakers blue chip of playmakers blue chip of playmakers we're gonna go back to patrick mahomes's alma mater at Texas Tech. And what we are going to talk about, Eric Ezukanma, uh, guy 6'2", 209 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms. Um, this is another guy that has the speed to, to stretch the ball downfield. 
but also makes makes plays in the slot across the middle. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on 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 Eric? So the thing that jumped out to me is he would line up everywhere. He was he wasn't a gadget player. They wanted the ball in his hands, and for how terrible the Texas Tech quarterbacks were while he was there, he was productive. I mean, he ran wildcat. He played out of the slot. His run after catch is, and or as soon as the ball was in his hands, just he took off. He was quick. He's a bigger guy, six two, six three. Um, he would just you give him an opportunity, and he's gonna go make plays. Wheeling blocker. I mean, he was just he wanted the ball in his hands, and he wanted to go make plays. And he has that kind of confidence. No, I think I, he's I, there. I think he's there in the third round. I think he's there in the fourth round. I do. I think he's in the fourth round um, for sure. And I think in the fourth round is a great value to take him. Um, I, I saw the exact same thing when I watched his tape. I was like, okay, look, he's in the X receiver there on the outside. Okay, that's cool. Oh, look, now he's in the slot. Oh, look, now he's lined up over there at Y receiver. Oh, look, now they're giving it to him on a jet sweep. You know, yeah, and it's a like lot of jet sweeps. He took one wide receiver screen and he just barreled through the entire defense. Uh, he couldn't get to up to top speed. He is a quick dude. Uh, he, I mean, he will burn you once he gets let loose, but he runs through contact, which I actually like. You're not going to have scared corners are going to get ran over. And that's kind of the, if you're, I, I want a little mean. That's why I like George Pickens. Yeah. I want aggressive, fast, big receivers. Listen, Seren Petro once said in re- reference to the Royals, you don't win a World Series with a team full of choir boys. And I feel the same way about the Super Bowl, especially in football. It's such a physical, you know, sport. Uh, you, you don't win the Super Bowl with a team full of choir boys. You need guys that are a little bit nasty, got a little bit of chip on their shoulder. Um, you don't want guys to play dirty, but you want guys to look at you and say, you don't want to tackle me because it's going to hurt and yeah. it's going to keep hurting for four quarters. Um, so I'm 100% with you on that. Um, a couple other guys that I think before we move on from the wide receivers, um, Tyquan Thornton and, and um, Danny Gray, both guys are kind of burners. Um, we can take the top off the defense. Both guys are over six feet tall. Both guys are kind of our playmakers um, that had really good combines. Um, anything on either one of those guys that, that, that sticks out to you? I think they kind of confirmed who they were at the combine. I don't think they showed anything new. Um, I think that, you know, they're a little stretch of the field. They're a little bit more raw. Um, they're a lot of fun though. Yeah. Yeah. I think they wanted to both have the opportunity to prove that they're more than just burners, but at this point they're, that's what they are. They're burners. They're both burners right now. They both have the, the tools to become more than that. I think, um, if you want to look them up, uh, it's Taekwon Thornton out of Baylor and Danny Gray out of SNU. Um, all right, moving forward to the cornerbacks. Yeah, we gotta be quick. Let's get down to business. Let's burn through these. All right. Tariq Woolen, that's your guy. Tell me yeah. why that's your guy. Because uh, he's amazing. He's over 6'4". He's 205 pounds. His arms are almost 34 inches long. Big, fast, long arms. He ran the 40-yard at 4.26. It was the second fastest time out of any corner uh, in combine history. Just absolutely fast. Then on his vertical, 42 inches. So you have this huge, athletic, explosive player who's also fast as can be. So he's out of UTSA. Um, he was a receiver originally, 
and has only played corner for the last two years. Um, he makes his press coverage could be a little better. He gets a little kind of they get a step on him. He's quick enough to recover, obviously. But those things are kind of fixable. I think with his long arms, good coaching, um, he is a raw player for sure. He was only playing two years of position. But as being a receiver uh, coming out, he's got the ball skills. I mean, he is a really good uh, around the ball. He understands the, the kind of the route concepts. So he does try to guess to go make a play on the ball too. And, you know, with I noticed – so I watched a little, some of his reps at the Senior Bowl, um, and he was not scared of anybody he lined up against. He did get beat off the press. He's yeah, he, he did. He, he he was in the face of every single receiver he went up against, no matter how fast they were, no matter how big they were. And he did get beat off the line a little bit, but every single um, guy I saw him, he made up and was – and he, he either broke up the pass or he was at least there – you know, with an opportunity to make a play on the ball, whether or not the receiver made a great play to keep it, to catch the ball is another story, but he was in the play and he closed the separation on every single rep that I saw. So he's a guy that I think has the, obviously has a, he has the physical tools, but I think that honestly he has the makeup um, to succeed at the next level and to have something unlocked in him. Um, Real quick, before we go on, I think it's his patience that I really like as well. There's not a lot of panic in this play. Even though he got beat in press coverage, he he trusts his physical ability to get himself back into play. But when the ball's in the air, there's no panic there. It's, it's a lot of patience there. And those skill sets, he's probably in that tier three of corners after your first, you know, your top 15 picks or whatever that are corners. And then there's that, like, second tier. He's probably the top person in that third tier. He's probably going round two. Yeah, probably going round two. I would say I'd take him in the second round. Um, another guy I'd take in the second round would be Kobe Bryant. Um, I think either second or third round for him, um, opposite of Sauce Gardner in Cincinnati. Um, not quite the same physical presence as Sauce Gardner, but just kind of an all-around solid player. Yep. I'm right there with you. All right. And so moving probably forward, another – Probably more third. Probably more third. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um Move forward, Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. This is a guy who he's got the size and speed. He's played a lot of cornerback um, in the Pac-10. Um, I like him a lot. I think that he's a bit of a savvy player, but I don't think that he's as patient or confident as, say, a Tariq Woolen. Uh, one thing I noticed when I was watching the Senior Bowl reps was that he never tried to press cover a wide receiver. He played 10 yards off of every single receiver in the one-on-ones and Calvin Austin still beat him deep for a touchdown, even when he was giving him um, 10, 10 yards of padding. So, uh, so even though he's, he's very savvy and I like him, there's a little bit of concern there about his confidence. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, yeah. In that big 10 play, you know, playing in Nebraska, he was a two year captain. He was kind of the heart soul of that defense. Um, if you're not going to have, you know, honey badger back, you're going to need someone who kind of has that alpha mentality. That's definitely Cam Taylor Britt. Yeah, yeah, definitely that alpha mentality. And a guy that I think, you, I, I think, think fourth round, probably fourth round, fourth round. I, I, would, I would, I would be happier with him in the fourth round than the third. All right, I'm going to give you a quick fire on three on three cornerbacks here. Uh, and you tell me where you would take them and whether or not you think they're a good fit for the Chiefs. Josh Job. Jack Jones, Zion McCollin, go. 
Uh, Josh Joe Better out of Alabama. I, I trust Nick Saban. I trust, you know, those corners. He's still he's still a little small. Uh, I think he's under six feet, uh, but I probably like him. Zion McCollum would be next. He's way more raw, but the physical tools, just like Tariq Woolen, they're, they're outstanding. So you try to develop him. He's going to be more of your sixth. He'll probably combine himself into the fifth round, but he's still really raw. So he's probably in that fifth round now, but I would like him more in the sixth. I think that's that's true. And then I like Jack Jones's makeup, but he's not a big guy. I don't know if he's big enough to play on the outside in the NFL. He's a guy who got in trouble and got kicked off of USC. Um, Arizona then, State? Yep, and now he plays for Arizona, Arizona State. State. Yeah, he had to take the hard road back. Going, got kicked off of USC. He led their he led their team in interceptions with four, but then got kicked off the team and then had to go to college, play JUCO, and then the hard way back to the Pac-10. Um, but Zion McCollum, love him. I think that he should be a chief. He may be one of my favorite cornerbacks in the draft. I love small school guys, and I just think he has the makeup and he he could press. I think he could press cover um, better than most guys in his draft slot. Um, moving forward to safeties, um, I love Lewis Seen. I think he might be love my favorite Lewis safety. Seen. He might be my favorite safety in the draft. Lewis Seen out of Georgia, the Georgia Bulldog, back in heart and soul. Um, he's athletic. He can hit. He can pretty much do everything. He's that. He's that full range guy that the Chiefs are going to take a safety in the first round. That's not named Daxton Hill. I hope it's Lewis Seen. I like Seen better than Hill. I do too. 100%. I think Scene might be my favorite safety in the draft. And I mean, period, in the draft. Woo! Man, I like Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, Seen, I like Lewis. Oh, man. I I wish his combine wasn't so good. I was hoping he'd be there in the second round. I mean, I, I was dreaming of a George Pickens round one, Lewis Scene round two. And then you know some edge in the third. That was that was the dream draft for me, and it's it's played itself a way different way. And good for them, they came out and really showed out. So, so let's talk about a guy who might be there in the third round, though Nick Cross out of Maryland. He was another guy who on the back end was the heart and soul of that Maryland defense. He's a hard hitter. Um, some sometimes. Um, can throw his body a little bit too much and not wrap up and lunge at the tackler at the, I mean, at the ball carrier. Um, but he's a guy that I think has a lot of upside and could definitely be the kind of that, uh, that roaming, you know, um, warden in the back end. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, he's a former track guy. I mean, again, if you're talking about what I want, I want athletes. I'll always bet on the physical traits. Um, it's explosive. He can get there in a heartbeat. He's long limbed. He's got a great click and close ability, um, I, and I think he's going to do a really, really nice job. If he's there in the third, I think you swing. Yeah, I think you swing on him too. I think that he after you get past that that first tier of, of, of safeties, he's right there near the top of the second tier. Um, mm-hmm. A guy who might be there later in the draft, um, a guy that I know that you're really big in, is Tyson Anderson. Um, Tyson Anderson had a great senior bowl as well. When I was watching him in the one-on-one drills, he lost a rep to Calvin Austin the third. Who honestly, in those reps, Calvin Austin the third won every single rep I saw. The guy who came the closest to stopping him was Tyson Anderson. Um, yeah, I mean he's kind of a he's a bigger safety too. I mean he's six-two, and so he's probably more of your third safety. 
I mean, to me, he's Dan Sorensen replacement, kind of plays in that third safety role, but he does a better job of flipping his hips in transition, immediately recognizes coverage assignments, who moves better laterally and in every direction, um, does a good job bracketing, um, and he, you know, does really well against the run. So, um, it, you know, his good combine time shows up on film. So yeah. that one was, you know, nice. So, and you know, whether we like it or not, we like to root for the underdogs. And if a guy's from a small school, you want to see him succeed. You, you, it just makes oh, yeah. you like him a little bit more. And coming out of Toledo, it just it, I, I like Tyson Anderson more than I would if, than if he played at a Big Ten school. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving forward, another guy I really like in safety is Leon O'Neill. Um, he's another one of those kind of bigger, yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, bold. He's like he's like kind of a bigger, hard hitting. Um, safety, um, and I'd probably take him in the fourth to fifth round if he's there. Um, yeah, that's about the that's about the range I'd go with. Um, what do you think about Smoke Monday? Out I of, like uh, him. Yeah, go ahead. I, I like him. I'm not as big on him as everybody else. Um, I don't know. I'm just not as big on him as everybody else. I'll not as you. big on him. So I like so I think that the, the issue with uh, Smoke Monday is that I he think can he's be a thick rounder. I think he's a flyer. I think he's a special team guy. I don't know if I want him as my Badger replacement. I don't think he is a Badger replacement. That's the that's the only issue. Um, I think he's a little too stiff in the hips. Um, he can't cover in the open field. I think you got you use him as an inbox defender, or you use him uh, in zone. But if, you, if you're going to try to man him up on somebody, he may get in trouble in space at the next level. And so I think probably – I think he's going to fall to around the sixth round. And if he's there in the sixth round, I would take him. Um, a guy who had a really good combine and who had really good production last year was JT Woods um, out of Baylor. Um, the other Baylor. The other Baylor, yeah. The other Baylor safety. The other Baylor safety, yeah. And he had six interceptions last year. Um, you know, as a senior and he had a, he had a good combine. He put up, he put up good numbers. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be there at the back end of the draft. I think, mm-hmm. and I think at the back end of the draft, you have a guy in the big 12 that had six interceptions and it's fast, long and strong. I think you go for it. Yeah. I'm kind of there too. Someone who, you know, will give full effort in special teams. Um, really you're looking to see, if, can they be, when you're looking kind of that late in the draft, can they contribute on special teams right away? And can they maybe develop into something more? And I think at the very least, he's a good special teams player. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, that has been our uh, our solid time here today, my friend Christian Gumminger. As we Man, that was through. fun. We, this, this was really fun, uh, you know, from the two – long strong dense bodies over <laughs> here at the uh ap ap team you know thank you so much for joining us and listening today um i am rocky magania you can follow me on twitter at, at rocky magania and this is my colleague christian gumminger um be sure to check out our entire podcast lineup uh we have we have great content for you all week long on mondays we have the ap draft room tuesday we have chiefs coast to coast on twitter space every tuesday at 7 p.m uh with our guys it's a lot of fun with our two guys aaron Ladd and mark gunnels who just knock it out of the park 
uh, Wednesday, we have our, our commanders in chief, uh, Pete Sweeney and the very knowledgeable John Dixon with our AP editor show. Friday is draft talk. Maybe we'll be back someday on it. Yeah, otherwise. I don't know, man. Pete may not let us back. Pete might not let us back, but uh, otherwise it'll be our friend Ron Cobb Jr. back. And then Saturday, we kind of chop it all up and give you the best of the week. Christian, this has been a blast, man. Uh, party words for the fans out there and the listeners. What do you got to say? Hey, the Chiefs are still the number one team in the AFC West, and to me they're still the number one team to beat in the AFC in the NFL. They're, all the other teams can make all the moves they want this week. They're still chasing the Chiefs. So this weekend, have a blast. Keep your eyes on Arrowhead Pride. We'll get you up to date with all of the news. Next week, free agency. And the league starts on the 16th, so it's a big week next week. You can catch all of the news, all of the pods uh, here at Arrowhead Pride. All right. Thank you very much. Drop us a five-star review if you like the content that we've had here today. Um, and our fearless leader, Pete Sweeney, will read your review live on the editor show. And until then, I'll leave you with these words of wisdom. You better lose yourself in the music. Oh, the moment you own it, you better <laughs> never let it go. Cheese fans, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Opportunity came once in a lifetime for me and Christian Gumminger, and I hope we did a good job for you. Until next time, Chiefs fans, thank you very much, and have a great day. Thank you, guys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.